The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 95, right? Yeah, 95. I always question because it's such a big number, but anyway, 95 of the Book of Mormon podcast. We're in Alma chapter 6 today, and as always, you have your co-host Shelby and Kevin Stanfill here with you, and I think we should just dive in, you know? I think so too. Okay, let's do it. So last week was a rather long podcast on Alma chapter five. Um, but uh, the reason I think I, I, I've grown recently to like Alma chapter six is because it's a, it's a really good description of what happens after he preaches all Alma preaches all these things to the people and um, the consequences of his speaking is, I guess, how I would say it. And so the first thing he does real quick in, in verse one is he, well, the church, the summary and the heading actually, mine might be a little bit outdated, but it says the church in Zarahemla is cleansed and set in order. And then Alma then goes to Gideon to preach, which is the land of Gideon. Um, but the first thing he does after that is he establishes order by ordaining priests and elders um, by the laying out of hands. Uh, to watch over the people of the church. So he sets an order. But what I thought was most interesting that happens after Alma calls all these people to repentance and to stop their wicked doings and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that we talked about last week, um, is it kind of infers directly two types of people, but there's probably a third that maybe might not be talked about. And they're in verses two and three. And so the people, I mean, just put yourself in your situation. Uh, pretend you're a member of the church or not a member of the church, and you're hearing this from Alma. And so the first group of people that they describe in verse 2 are those who did not belong to the church, but they had repented of their sins and then were baptized into the church based off of everything they heard Alma talk about. So that's really cool. These are the people who are softened touched and felt this spirit and were motivated to change. And so they're baptized and they become a part of the Lamb of God, right? Of his church. Then the second people that are talked about, group of people, are those that did belong to the church <laughs> but would not repent of their wickedness and humble themselves before God. And he says, I mean those who are lifted up in the pride of their hearts. And unfortunately, the consequence for those people were that their names were blotted out and they're no longer numbered or among the righteousness. So right there, we, we find these two groups of people. But think about the third group of people that's kind of inferred because there's got to be some people who, well, we know there were some people who were doing right that were members of the church. But also, there's got to be those who are not members of the church 
who just didn't do anything, right? I would think. Um, and so really, I guess that makes four. But it's interesting to think about of those four, like where would you think you would be, you know, to liken the scriptures into yourselves? Where do you stand right now listening to this podcast? Are you a member who kind of goes to church? Are you not a member? Or are there things that you should repent of? I mean, I know I fall in the category of I'm a member of the church, but I have a lot that I need to be better and do better. So I do have things I need to repent for. And I'm grateful that I can do that every day, you know? So I just thought about it in that aspect of where would I fall um, in this modern day, right? Where would I be? So sorry, I've been talking for a lot, but Kevin, if you have any thoughts, chime in. So there was a lot there. I know. Sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm not sorry. I do want... But I do know there was a lot there. I do want to focus on one thing in there that you said. And, you know, we, we hear about the people who were, who did not belong to the church. They repented and were baptized. Right. Awesome. We got some new converts to the church as a result of Alma's preaching. Right. And remember Alma's intent for going among the people. It was to, I mean, we know the result was that he set the church in order. Yeah. It was even cleansed. So we know that there was like, I mean, cleansed is a pretty uh, serious word. Like if you said you cleansed a, a ward of the church or like. You know, honestly, what I would think of, I would think of like cleaning out the records. Hmm. Like I think of when there's people who say that they live there or have their address there, but it's not, they don't actually live there. Or Interesting. I think of that when I think of cleansing, at least the church. I mean, when, when coupled with cleansed and set in order, I mean, the house of God should be and is a house of order. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause me, I don't know, maybe it's just my imagination, my vivid mm -hmm. imagination, but I'm thinking of like, there were like evil things going on. Like, and, Oh, and, well, yeah, I'm sure that too. <laughs> well, we know that because right. he wouldn't have went out and preached if not. There, there were, there was pride, right? There was a lot of pride going on. I'm sure there was borderline or full fledged priestcraft going on because I mean, that's, that's what happens when people become prideful. Um, you know, we, we have seen by, uh, what's, what's the scripture? I'm blanking. Um, um, we've seen by sad experience. Get a little power. Yeah. They, they exercise unrighteous dominion. dominion. That's, that's paraphrasing, man. A couple scriptorians. We only do a weekly <laughs> podcast about it's the scriptures. Yeah. It's, I mean, I know where it is. I could flip open to it right now. It's Doctrine and Covenants 121. It's right there at the end. But um, we got super off track there. Um, the, the reason that I brought that up was that, do you want to read the verse? Yeah. Okay. It says, we have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of all men. As soon as they get a little authority as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. 
Yeah. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. So we can we can assume that those things were happening. Alma came in. He said it in order um, in in spiritual ways, like in spiritual things, and also in temporal things. So which actually makes a good segue into what I was going to bring up, which is not what I was going to say, but um, that term blotted out when it says that um, those who were lifted up in the pride of their hearts and would not repent and not humble themselves, the same were rejected and their names were blotted out. Well, in the Book of Mormon student manual, in chapter six, um, it actually references back in Mosiah. So Mosiah 26. And it says blotted out in Mosiah 26, verse 36 refers to excommunication. When a church member commits serious sin, the Lord's servants must take steps to assist the sinner through repentance. Sometimes this involves formal or informal church discipline um, and uh, president, then elder Dallin H. Oaks explained church discipline encourages members to keep the covenants or excuse me, the commandments of God. It's mere existence stresses the seriousness and clarifies the meaning of the commandments of God. This is extremely important in an otherwise permissive society. He continues, the shepherd has a responsibility to protect the flock. That responsibility may require him to deny the sinner, the fellowship of the saints, or even to sever his membership in the flock. As Jesus taught, if he repent not, he shall not be numbered among my people, that he may not destroy my people. For behold, I know my sheep and they are numbered. And I mean, there are other things in there too. Uh, it actually is pretty extensive. There's a lot of other information. <clears throat> and um, there's also a first presidency message or invitation from 1985 that talks about reaching out in love toward these people who whose names have been blotted out, whether it be excommunication uh, or, you know, what's the term? defellowshipped, uh, disfellowshipped, right? Uh, because of serious transgressions, you know, and, and not to judge them um, and you know, not to hold anything over them. But it's interesting because in the previous chapter, um, I almost said Brother Alma. <laughs> I said um, Alma, he talks about this good shepherd and an exhortation to touch not unclean things you know alma he's really he, he in that instance and that's back in verse 57 um of alma 5 you know he's he's really preaching to those among those that he's speaking to and stressing the importance to put your put your life in order, right? Much later, 
um, in his ministry, he talks about this life being a time to prepare to meet God. And sometimes you do have to, you have to change. You have to change your, uh, your nature. Well, a hundred percent change your nature, but also change your environment. That's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. You have to get away from people who are doing things that are not good, that are unclean. Right. So, and it goes back to that idea of cleansing the church and Zarahemla, you know, to do that, to cleanse the church, you have to get the unclean people. And the only reason they're unclean is because they want to stay that way. We talked about that last week. So I don't want to go too far down this little rabbit hole. You know, we, we have the time to talk, but I, I, I wanted to kind of connect those, those dots. Hopefully it meant something to those listening. <laughs> Hopefully it meant something to you. I'll have to collect my thoughts more, but. <laughs> Before you keep talking, it reminds me of this week's Come Follow Me in Alma, Alma, <laughs> DNC 88. Um, I was reading it today and it, DNC 88 is just so good. I just want to keep reading because it's like, what's next? And it's like over a hundred verses, but they talk about like those who can't abide a celestial law, they're not going to receive celestial glory, right. you know? So it makes sense that if you are not going to repent or um, of the sins that you're committing or whatever it is that you, you don't get to be part of it because you're choosing not to, not because we don't want you, but because you're not living the way that you should. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting it's actually expedient that you brought that up because today I didn't listen to um, Unshaken Saints as much as I, I was going to. I planned to like listen to the whole thing today because I had the time, but I kept getting distracted. But on my way home, I put it on and I was driving home and he was talking about that exact same thing. Mm. Um, it, it was those verses that uh, our good friend Jared was discussing. And what I thought, because he said exactly what you just said, which is if you can't abide a celestial law, you're like in the in the flesh mm -hmm. as a mortal. You won't be able to do it when After. you're in the presence of the Father. Yeah. Because there no unclean thing can exist. Now Here's what I thought in that split instant, because when I was listening to that, I then got a phone call and I had to take that phone call for the rest of the time I drove home. Opposition in all things, right? But I thought it's not that the father doesn't want you. It's that you've proven that you don't want the father. Yeah. That's and what I'm saying. These people here, they rejected, they chose not to repent. If you, if you are comfortable, there's a saying, the more comfortable you are with sin, the less comfortable you are with God and vice versa. The more comfortable you are with God, the less comfortable you'll be with sin. And man, that smacks me upside the head 
with chastisement because unfortunately I can be pretty comfortable around sin. Yikes. So that must mean my standing in in compare like in terms of being in the presence of the Father, not great. Well, okay. You're acting like you're this horrible, sinful man. <laughs> let's just, let's clear Kevin's name for a second because he's not this horrible, sinful man. We're about to block me out here on the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> just for the record, I think the closer that you do get to God, the more that you realize how not good you are. But but if someone were to look at you like me, your wife from the outside looking in, I don't look at you as this horrible man, right? It's just, you know, there are things that you can do better and be better. It's like uh, Joseph Smith when he, uh, you know, prayed um, to know his standing before God and which church was true. I mean, he just wanted to know. And then he wanted to know again later when Moroni appeared to him. And so he only felt that way because of the closeness he had with God. You get what I'm saying? Right. So there's also that aspect of it too. And when you say you're comfortable with sin, I mean, I think the thing that comes to my mind is I think I get a little too comfortable with reality TV that shows uh, Babylon-like behaviors. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So there's things that I can do better in that way. But, I mean, I'm not over there, you know, doing other things and that type of stuff. So, And, and I also think <laughs> that just to follow that, that thread – there's a big difference between engaging in sinful behavior firsthand and tolerating the portrayal of that behavior. Mm-hmm. I think it's even, this isn't doctrine, but it could be the difference between sins of commission and sins of omission, mm-hmm. if I'm understanding that correctly, right? Like the fact that, you know, one could not not you per se Mm -hmm. so it could apply to you could apply to anybody the fact that one could watch that reality tv and tolerate it is much different than if they were engaging in those activities themselves you know and especially if they were unrepentant having the knowledge that you know uh the latter-day saints have Right. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So, and and that's, it's worth saying because, you know, not the, not that I disagree with anything that you said, but sometimes when we talk about good, like good people and bad people, like those are really broad terms. And I mean, I've known very good people who do commit many sins as we understand them, you know, but it doesn't make them, it doesn't really make them any less good of a person. It just means that they're not quite at the level where, where they need to be. And, uh, and, you know, kind of spoiler alert, like nobody is. Right. So I think the reason, maybe the reason that we went down this little rabbit hole 
obviously we brought up the blotting out of names and things like that. Um, but in the previous chapter, Alma went out among the people and, and he, his intent was to ensure that everyone was prepared. Everyone was more prepared, I should say, to meet God. Well, and you see that, well, I think you see that in verse five. It says, and none were deprived of the privilege of assembling themselves together to hear the word of God. Because that was a problem before, right? There mm -hmm. was some exclusion among the people. And I don't know, I don't remember if it said exactly that they, because later on, there's like issues in certain cities and areas um, that the poor, um, the poor are not allowed to worship in the synagogues, right? I don't think that we're there yet, mm -mm. but I know it's coming. We're to the point where they're rejecting the poor. And persecuting yeah. others. Those who belong to the church. Well, and even those in the church were persecuting mm -hmm. to those who were not in the church. Yeah. But we'll get we'll get to the part eventually on the podcast that you're talking about. Yeah, I know. So earlier, I wanted to address, because we talked about these different groups of people, and I wanted to talk about that person who, you know, is not explicitly referenced, the person who is not a member of the church and does not become baptized. Mm. And in this context, right, in this actual scenario, what do you think they're doing? And that that's, that's not a good question. That's a, a guess what's in my head question. So I'm going to tell you what I think they're doing. Oh, okay. I was like, I have an answer. My answer or what I think, and this isn't the only thing I think they're doing, <laughs> but they're continuing to watch because after the prophet comes and sets things in order, it's probably convenient to go ahead and join the church and, um, because it's it's operating at its best or at least it's you know it's kind of like when a a business like in the real world like likening it to something that i can understand it's like when a business gets taken over or acquired and a new manager comes in there and they say we're gonna we're gonna fix everything up and we're gonna make this place run better it would actually be the best time to work there because everybody is probably motivated the people who are not motivated they're gonna get pushed out you're gonna have a very pure environment for opportunity and all these things so to join at that moment that's that's not a bad idea but some of these people they're like listen i've been watching these members of this church be puffed up in their pride for years. They've been doing all kinds of stuff. I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch. I'm going to see what they do when this Alma guy moves on. He's leaving these other people to watch over the church, quote unquote. And I'm going to see, are they legit? Are they for real? 
And I think it's our jobs as members of the church to show people who are watching that we are for real. And that it's not, it's not that just after general conference, are we ministering, mm. but it fades off, it kind of dwindles off. Right. So that's, that's what I think those people are doing. What do you think they're doing? Well, I thought the same thing, but I also thought that they might just not care. <laughs> they're not ready, mm-hmm. which is a hundred percent. But really you could just, there's, you can infer a lot of different groups of people. Oh, from this, of course. But I kind of just split it down to four, but yeah, I do agree. There might be those who are watching, you know, who, who need that witness. There are obviously those who didn't need that witness. And so I don't know. And then I think there were those who just straight up didn't care because <laughs> they like their life and their life is easier the way it is right now. Yeah. So. For, for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Um, so I really like, I did bring it up already that none were deprived the privilege of assembling themselves together to hear the word of God in verse five. I really like that because it shows that every single person had an opportunity no matter what. And it's just a type of Christ for me because every single person we know because the restored gospel of Jesus Christ on the earth today, that even if that person lived 10,000 years ago and never got a chance to hear the gospel, we know that they will not be deprived that privilege. So it's just a type of Christ. And in fact, I mean, the spirit world's already been set in order. So I'm sure they've already had the opportunity to hear, you know, everyone will have the opportunity. And, um, that's really interesting. What you just said in the context of this chapter, you said the spirit rule has already been set in order. And I want to, I just want to. Well, not, not in the timeline right here. Not well, yet. No, no, no. I know. Oh, but okay. in, in the context, not in the timeline, but the context of Alma mm-hmm. going and setting the church in Zarahemla in order. Mm-hmm. That's what the savior did. Oh yeah. He, when he died, he went into the spirit world and set in order and set in order a church if you will like we don't understand how that works we don't know anything about that (laughs) but what we do know is that he went there and he freed those in prison right and surely there was a whole bunch of teaching there was correction and he certainly left behind people to watch over and to continue to teach and do those things. It's, it doesn't make any sense that there, it would be any different than here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in mortality. Yeah. And so I love that. I love that, um, vision in my mind's eye <laughs> of right now, the church in the spirit world is set in order. It's all of the things that are going on here when Alma leaves, the things are happening, which is 100% true. There are, there are people in the spirit world who are still prideful and they mm-hmm. uh, don't repent of their wickedness. Mm-hmm. There are those who do repent mm-hmm. and are ready for baptism mm-hmm. and all the ordinances that will be completed for them mm-hmm. uh, by those in temples, by proxy. Right. 
and there's some people who are waiting, right? But I think there's a lot less people who are waiting. It's it's probably like it's funny because you would think that there'd be, I don't know. I just remember my mission president on the mission. He gave this example. He said, "You knock on a door now, and they slam it in your face and say, no, I want nothing to do with it.'" He goes, "Is no different in the spirit world." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Because you would think." because of the knowledge that we have, or, oh, I've passed on, so now I know better. No, what you, who you are, all the thoughts and intents and all the knowledge you have yeah. goes with you. And so you don't just magically change into this person who all of a sudden is like, oh, I was wrong. No, you are <laughs> who you are. And so I just remember that so clearly. Uh, you would think there'd be more people uh, like waiting and watching and like those type of things. But I don't think I don't think as many really. I think there's some, but most of us are the same. And if you slam the door here, you're gonna probably slam a door there. Yeah. I don't know if it's a literal door. Don't quote me. I don't know doctrine. <laughs> but I just remember him saying that, and I'm like, huh, that's so interesting. And and that's important. And, and we're gonna, you know, I I kind of referenced it later, but there's all of those things that we learn about in terms of missionary work, um, so much of it is learned in the book of Alma. Yeah. Like so much of it, the nature of people and, and their disposition. I think that's why I brought up the different types of people immediately because how they responded, there's just different types of people just like, the vision of the tree of life there's different types of people who hold yeah. on who let go who you know all that kind of stuff it, it does tell us about the nature of men so i i do think you are correct <laughs> thanks <laughs> your inference um but there's also people who are fasting together oft um or sorry gathering together often is what it says fasting and mighty prayer on behalf of the welfare of the souls of those who knew not God. I mean, that's also happening in the spirit world and here. So yeah, um, it's really cool. And uh, what's really cool as well is Aren't the it, scriptures cool. <laughs> they're so cool. <laughs> it talks it again. I want to repeat that in mighty prayer and fasting in in behalf of the welfare of the souls of those who knew not God. Um, the people who did accept Jesus Christ, who did repent um, and were baptized and, and those who humbled themselves and so on and so forth, they are, they're praying and they're exercising faith that those who do not know God will. Kevin, uh, how do people come to know God? I mean, among, among other things, um, they read the scriptures, they participate in ordinances, make covenants, and follow the commandments. I mean, following commandments is kind of a broad term because all of those things could be considered commandments. Mm -hmm. But it is true that when we obey commandments, we have that connection with God, right? It's, it's talked about all through the scriptures, this, um, you know, being prospered mm -hmm. in the land, 
because of their obedience and then being cut off because of their disobedience. Furthermore, I'll say this. God is only, how did I, how would I say this? Because I've, I've written it down before and I thought I was really clever for the way that I wrote it. <laughs> but God has to be revealed unto man. Um, man doesn't like stumble upon God. Mm. And we have to qualify for that revelation or revealing. And he doesn't always, he doesn't necessarily reveal his body to us, but he does reveal his will to us. So there's a, a scripture. And the reason I asked that question and you hit it right on the head, to be honest with you. So good job. Um, <laughs> is in DNC 84 and I'm flipping to it here. But it says, because we're talking about coming to know God, right? Mm -hmm. And it says, and the greater priesthood, this is DNC 84, section 84, verse 19. Um, and this greater priesthood, they're talking about the priesthood here, administered the keys and the whole and holdeth the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom. Even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, which you mentioned, ordinances and covenants, the power of godliness is manifest. So we come to know him through the promises and the covenants and the ordinances that we make. Yeah. I mean, com commandment, it's a prayer to, um, my goodness, can I speak? It is a commandment to pray, right? Like we, when we do those things, we are given the key of the knowledge of God to come to know him um, or I guess have him revealed to us right. continually based on what you were saying. So anyway, just wanted to share. It's, it's really interesting how, how true it is that we, we come to know God through ordinances. We, we get to know his nature. We also, all, you know, really, we learn the nature of Jesus Christ, who is exactly like the Father. So we learn about the Father when we learn of Christ, right? Um, but like, just take the ordinance of baptism, you know, um, being, being buried in the water and rising up. Like, what does that tell us about Jesus Christ? Not only that he, that literally he did that, right? He was buried and then he came back, right? But it's that he's willing to do the same for us, right? I mean, I, you know, that's just, that's just one little thing. And, and, but those of you who, you know, attend the temple and participate in the ordinances there, not only, you know, um, baptism and confirmation for the dead, but the endowment and sealings and things like that, you know, we, we sometimes get lost in the symbolism, but if we didn't, if, if baptism 
one such a common thing in Western culture and Western society, it'd be kind of weird too, right? It would be kind of confusing. Like, what are y'all doing? Dunking and dunking people in water, <laughs> you know, like this is kind of, kind of funny. So I just wanted to, I mean, I don't really know exactly where I, what I, where I was going with that was that it is, it's really cool how we can ponder the, the, the symbolism, how it relates to our savior and what it, what it means for us. And so nevertheless, back to the scriptures here, um, we kind of wind down, I guess, in verse seven, uh, And now it came to pass that when Alma had made these regulations, he departed from them. Yea, from the church, which was in the city of Zarahemla, and he travels and it gives him geographical points. And he goes to the city of Gideon. And yes, it was named after the same Gideon who was slain by Nehor. And... Alma begins to declare the word of God unto the church, which was established in, well, in the valley of Gideon. So all the round, the land round about. According, it says, according to the revelation of the truth of the word, which had been spoken by his fathers, and according to the spirit of prophecy, which was in him, according to the testimony of Jesus Christ, the son of God, who should come to redeem his people, from their sins and the holy order by which he was called. <laughs> and thus it is written. Amen. <laughs> I love how, I guess, Mormon, if he's the one writing this, we always, we always do that. Lately, we're like, if this was Mormon, I think it's safe to say I think it is Mormon. It's 100% Mormon. Yeah, he's a. we know he's abridging this part of the place. Right. And if it were Alma writing, he'd just say it himself. I went to Gideon. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if he sounds like that. But you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. You know so what I'm I, saying? But very good point. I love that Mormon, <laughs> even Sorry. as he's writing, testifies of the savior right yeah and um it's something that that i've been trying to do more um in the podcast and also like during classes things like that where um you don't have to you don't have to like it is at the end of this chapter but it's not like mormon waits until the very end of his writing to testify of the savior. He's doing it all throughout. And there's something important there. There's something that Mormon is teaching us there. Um, don't ask me right now what that is. Cause it's kind of late, but I, the spirit is witnessing to me. It's like, this is important, you know, constantly living and breathing by the word of God testimony. I'll say this about that comment. Abriana, Abriana Rice, you have heard her name before. But um, she has told me before that 
she, and you know, it's taken me a while to kind of understand this, but if you go back to first Nephi chapter one, verse 21, Nephi prefaces the book of Mormon by saying, this is a testament of all the tender mercies of the Lord among his chosen people. And something Abriana has always complimented me on, which I've had to learn to accept the compliment, is that um, she says that I'm always, I always make the gospel uh, so simple to teach in, in a daily, I don't know, like a daily example of something like, and I had a roommate say this once too, Caitlin, Caitlin Kunzler. She said, her and Angie one time told my sister Brinley when they met her at Disney World, yeah, Shelby could just look at a toothbrush and be like, man, Heavenly Father loves me because this toothbrush, blah, 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 like, you know, find something correlation in it. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here a little bit is that as we in our daily lives really look for the hand of God in everything, because I had a I had a professor once tell me, Bishop Rowe, he was also my religion professor, he said, the Lord is constantly reaching out, trying to tell you in many ways that we're oblivious to, that he loves us and he cares for us and he's looking over us. And we can do that by recognizing the hand of God in our lives and, and the, the testimony which that comes from is through the spirit of revelation, right? We get that from listening to the spirit and the spirit puts those thoughts in our heads of how how a toothbrush could show that Heavenly Father loves me, right? right. Or how a stoplight or um, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? As, as you look for those things, you're going to see him. And, and that's what Alma does. And Mormon who's abridging this, he knows that because he does it himself too, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's to be constantly walking in revelation, you know, looking for God in his hand. How did he show me he loved me today? Yeah. It, it also and thoughts will come when you ask Heavenly Father that when you pray for him, when you pray and say, Heavenly Father, please show me how you love me today or show me the ways you reach out to me. The spirit, if you're willing, will show you the millions of ways that he's reaching out to you that day. I promise, because it's happened to me. <laughs> it was me every day. <laughs> That's why I come home sometimes to Kevin and I say, man, Heavenly Father loves me. Because I just saw all these things in my day that showed that he loved me. Yeah. So. That that last bit reminded me of the institute class that we had last night. It was the last class of the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, the class subject or course, whatever, was principles of leadership. And the last uh, topic was introspection. And of course, today, I was kind of doing some of that, like introspecting, if you will. Um, And I thought, first off, principle of leadership as a class has less to do with leadership and more of the things that high functioning disciples of Jesus Christ do. All of those are synonymous with the principles of leadership that we discussed. Um, I could go on a tangent about that, 
I won't right now. But the reason that I bring it up is that what you're talking about and, and this continual, I love, I love how you said walking in revelation. Yeah, I didn't coin that. President Bednar did. Elder Bednar. <laughs> I'm definitely going to look that up because I want to know more about it. Um, but the reason that that hit me was there are certain meditations because we think sometimes we think meditation is like sitting cross-legged in a pose, but there's, <laughs> but there's actually legit walking meditations where you, but it's, it's all based on a certain way that you walk and I could go on. I won't. Uh, I'm not, I'm not even an expert on it by any means. I saw like one video about it once, but it made such an impression upon me that I thought I can meditate doing anything. I meditate all day at work when I don't have something, you know, that's demanding my attention, you know? And so there, there's need for that meditation and introspection and, doing it all day long in as much, I think, as it gets you closer to God, right? As you build that relationship with him, build that two-way communication with him. So um, I know that it's blessed my life. I make better choices because I, I look to our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and for for everything you know everything that i do i say that in the name of jesus christ amen amen hey if you didn't think that we could do a 45 minute podcast about seven verses eight eight verses eh, there was probably one in there that we didn't really talk about right so no i don't eight. i don't know if that's true yeah yeah well yeah, okay. Eight verses. Then you were wrong. We did it. I love it. Well, that's that's it. We're going to be back next week with a guest. Unless something drastic happens. Um, but I have faith. Actually, I have faith that nothing will go wrong. Um, then we will have a guest. And it's going to be awesome. So yeah. now nothing can, it can't, we can't fail to deliver on that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we're leaning on you. <laughs> Always, right? Okay, y'all. We'll have a great week and we will talk to you next time. Bye.